Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Kagongo and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite. Talk about new print magazines and Inside Out, the new video from Carhartt. In an interview with Solo Skate Magazine, filmmakers Joaquin Bale, Angelo Marquise, and Romain Batard build Inside Out as something different from your standard skate video. Patrick, did Inside Out deliver on this promise? It did, but the jury is still out about whether or not it's actually rewatchable multiple times. I've watched it twice in preparation for the podcast. And at first it was like a hard, like what? I was very, very confused. I also probably made the mistake of watching it at the end of a long day instead of watching it before going skating. Second viewing that I did tonight uh, in anticipation of the show, it went down a lot smoother. I still didn't love the music. It's definitely in terms of its approach and its feel. It felt cool. I don't think it was unprecedented. Um, it reminded me a lot of an old Sophisto video called Freedom. Jamie Thomas is in it, Josh Kalis. The soundtrack is amazing, but unfortunately, because it has so much stuff that is like, it has Gangstar, it has a bunch of pop songs, Stevie Wonder, it regularly gets taken down from YouTube. So the version of it that's up right now has no music whatsoever. That being said, I mean, the spots were amazing. I don't remember where that one place is where like, it's like a, it's like a very, very steep bank that it's right at the beginning of the video. Uh, the spots look Okay. Yeah. Just, I, I don't know, Jason Templeton, what did you think? Like, cause, and I tried really hard to avoid people's critiques of it on the internet. Cause I know people got strong feelings about Carhartt. Listen, um, we might've reached peak Carhartt in the culture writ large. We got this video and earlier in the week, Rihanna revealed that she is indeed with child father being Aesop Rocky, who in the photographs that uh, quote unquote broke the internet was wearing a Carhartt uh, denim zip up jacket. So Carhartt is huge in the culture. Don't know how much huger it can get, but as far as this video goes, like I, I thought it was pretty cool. Like it's not really my wheelhouse, but not every video has to be like late 90s zero trick 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 you know titles i've kind of made peace with with the whole no video titles thing it's, it's kind of just the way it is it's an aesthetic decision that filmmakers make so i made peace with that i mean if i wanted to triangulate it i could figure it out you know via instagram and whatnot it's hard to instagram yeah yeah you ha you have to like get get a cork board and do that thing where like, you know, when uh, when the FBI is trying to take down the mob or whatever, mm -hmm. they have like everyone's like headshot and they X them out as they identify them. You have to like get something like that. But I was able to identify that guy, Sylvain Tonelli. He was in there. Matlock Bennett Jones was in there. So it was it was some cool, you know, spot porn. And yeah, like like quarter snack said, I guess today or the day before, it's just kind of like a little slice of current euro skating current meaning like not you know ledge ninjas just like your usual you know your cutty spot type skating that's you know most popular in the world today so i thought it was kind of a vibe you know it was chill yeah it was a vibe and it was chill i don't know if i would want people to say that about my skate video <laughs> like I, I would want my skate video to like bang you over the head you know we we had some discussions in our group chat about the video we just kind of couldn't help ourselves and to me it felt like there wasn't a, like a real beginning or end and it was just all middle like there were no 
this guy's part and then that guy's part. It was just like, yeah, everybody's here. Everybody's doing tricks. They're, they're all real good tricks. No tricks are better than others, you know? It's like uh, nothing got slow-moed or like a second angle is, yeah, just all felt like middle stuff. And then I would see stuff on like Instagram where it's like, oh, we extracted this clip or these few clips and it's like, oh, wow, that's like a sick clip. Like it, st it stands out so much more on Instagram than like amongst this vast collection of clips. So yeah, I, I feel like the video was like, with a different edit could have been like an amazing video, but it was just a vibe and it was I mean, cool. what, is, what is an amazing video in 2022? Especially, especially when you can, you know, there are no rules anymore. You can make any type of video you want. But one thing that I did notice about this is like, and I watched it both times stone cold sober, I felt really stoned watching it. That felt weird. It felt, I felt warm. Oh yeah, especially during that one song, it was a kind of like, it wasn't like stoner metal or something. It was like towards the end, this kind of like droning like tune. There was no drums pretty much. Yeah, I felt like I was like zoning. I was like, I, I'm, I'm sober. I'm 10 months sober today. And like, it was like, I, found, I was like zoning out. Like what, you know? And we've talked about this before, like, in my opinion, skate videos and music and skate videos should be aggro in some way, whether it's like aggro rap or aggro like, you know, metal or like fat records, like no FX type shit, you know? See, I, but, I think the music just needs to be cinematic. There needs to be yeah, yeah. some fast parts, some slow parts, some heavy, some light, you know, like there needs to be ups and downs that you can edit to like, oh, this is where like the slow-mo hammer happens or like this is where the lines go in or like this is some, where some rapid fire tricks happen. Like, you know how you listen to a song and you're like, oh, this would be sick in a skate video. Oh, like, yeah, every I day. Don't, I don't think any of these All songs time. were that. It was more like, let's put these cool songs in this video. Uh, I think the whole cool songs thing is debatable because they use King Cruel and dude is actually very, very talented but it just did not work for this video. I'm trying to become more okay with saying that out loud. Also, Jason, congratulations on hitting 10 months. Um, oh, but, but back to the video. See, that's the challenge though, because Carhartt has money, but they don't have Nike money. And even Nike and Adidas are pumping the brakes in terms of uh, song clearances. So they got what they could get. And I noticed that there was one instrumental song in here that was used in How To with John Wilson which is absolutely hilarious. Love that show. It's so out there, so weird. Anyway, back to, back to the music. I think you can be, I think Palace and Bronze showed us that you can do whatever you want musically and you can actually really push people to the outer limits and you can be jarring with the way that you do your music supervision and it can still work. Maybe what happened here was something that I noticed from a couple things that have come out recently. Uh, the audio sounded kind of tinny in places. And I was thinking about this because I finally watched the Baz Luhrmann version of Romeo and Juliet with Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio. My wife was like, you've never seen this? Oh my goodness. <laughs> How did you date? <laughs> anyway, and the movie's really good, but whatever version is out right now for streaming, the audio sucks. So it clearly hasn't been remixed. Nobody's actually sat down and uh, bought up the levels on the conversation parts within the movie, which made it more challenging than it should have been to follow. Thankfully, everybody knows the story of Romeo and Juliet. Anyway, back to this video. Yeah, this is one of those circumstances where it just felt like, obviously a lot of care went into the music supervision. Maybe people didn't care for every song that was in it, but 
the quality of the audio, something felt off. And like, as a viewer, that's the sort of thing that can really, really, really throw you off, especially if you ever edited a video and, and both of y'all have, it can be super frustrating and be like, I can't hear a thing. Or like that's peaking or just something sounds bad. Yeah, it's interesting that you have, like you're bringing up audio because I think audio was like a big part of uh, these guys' vision. You know, they were recording side conversations while they were at the session and stuff like that and, you know, interspersing it in, into the video. So, you know, you'd think that they'd handle it maybe with a little bit more care or maybe that's just what their intention was is for it to be a little more mixed in or like backgroundy. Why? <laughs> you know, to make a vibe, I guess. It reminded me of a Transworld video, like the audio where they were talking about the lip slide and it's like, oh, you gotta like, what if you pop out early or whatever? And it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of a Transworld video in that way. But I think that the Transworld videos kind of did it better. Were there skate sounds? I kind of think they, they were like half and half with the including skate sounds. I didn't oh, notice. Was... So I, I think that the skate sounds were there. That's something I feel like I would, I would notice if they were gone. Mm -hmm. Jason, back to a point that you had made earlier about Carhartt reaching uh, peak cultural saturation. What's interesting is that uh, somebody who posted on Slap, um, I don't remember the user's name, but they post a little thread about Carhartt's work in progress and their history with skateboarding in Europe. And a lot of Carhartt's popularity in Europe came from streetwear and from hip hop culture. It was like the cool move. Um, so people have been wearing Carhartt as workwear, streetwear for years over there. Here, it's an interesting mix because obviously like I will sometimes go and buy a Carhartt shirt from like uh, Big Five Sports or from a whatchamacallit, a workwear shop just because it's way cheaper over there and I'm not looking for something flash. I'm looking for something to skate in and you know, whenever I'm doing something around the house, whatever, whatever. I'm not quite doing Carhartt shit, but uh, I'm also not just sitting around at home. So it's interesting seeing it from seeing Carhartt being so well developed in terms of its presence in the subculture over there rather than over here, where here it's still very much seen as workwear, whereas like Dickies and uh, Ben Davis have always straddled that line. Yeah, I was trying to think back when Carhartt first blew up. I think it was like 92 or 93, because like Redman was always wearing Carhartt shit, like Das Effects where I was, and those guys were always wearing like Carhartt hoodies. So, you know, that's when I first noticed it and got like a yellow Carhartt hoodie or whatever. And yeah, they were the shit, dude. They were super rugged. Yeah, that's big early 90s energy. And one of the things that is really unique about France, um, and also to extend the UK, but especially France, because they loved uh, 80s and 90s hip hop, is that they really latched onto a lot of the streetwear culture from them. And that's part of the reason why Carhartt was really, really big over there. And, you know, back to like the whole thing about workwear and skateboarding, it's, it's a bit of a no-brainer. I mean, it's rugged, like you said. It lasts a long time and it tends to be much cheaper than say going and spending 60, 70 bucks for blind jeans back in the day or a hundred, a hundred, hundred twenty dollars for the polar, polar big boys. Worthwhile price, by the way, those, those jeans are sick, but I mean, do these, you all these think... work in progress pants are all over a hundred bucks. I'm not paying that for Carhartt dog. Sorry. <laughs> all, all the work in progress stuff is over a hundred. There were some pants that were 168 that I was looking at today. <laughs> All the shit is very expensive. Dog. <laughs> there, there's a million workwear stores in the greater LA area. I could definitely find something that looks more fly. Again, I get it. And by the way, if Carhartt, you know, 
if they were feeling inspired and just wanted to send, oh, I don't know, like four boxes. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get boxes off of this, uh, this review <laughs> we're doing right now. I would love a car Patrick, box, though, for sure. Patrick, so wait, are you saying in LA they have like workwear boutiques or whatever, or like workwear stores for like like uh, contractors shit? Oh, for, for contractors now, a oh, yeah, yeah. boutique and just like ah, please come in. Yeah, <laughs> These the new Timberlands. I, w I wouldn't doubt it. You know, at this point, I can fuck with that though, dude. That's a million dollar opportunity right there, right? Like set up one in LA on Fairfax, take over where Supreme <laughs> is uh, moving out of. And then have one somewhere in uh, like Greenpoint, Williamsburg, and sell it to everybody who's like trying to be uh, like a fake cowboy, whatever. Boom, printing money. No, fake cow wasn't the fake cowboy thing. That was like 2004 or whatever. See, the, the thing with car and everyone's trying to be like a fake, uh, like a hiker or like outdoorsman or something. I don't I'm know. Trying to be rugged. Yeah, it's, it's about that technical outerwear these days. Technical outerwear yeah. is sick. I, I don't know. There, there's something funny about it. Like, over Christmas, like visiting some friends who moved to the Catskills, like they were, they had a little like a Carhartt jacket for their dog, and I was like, "Damn, that's hard body." I've it, seen it, that. It looks good. Seeing that, yeah, it's a little like tan, like one of those tan deals, except it's you know like for for a dog. It, it was oh, like, yeah. I was like, dang, like, and by the way, uh, Wallace is the best dog. Such a good dog. <laughs> He's but, a good boy. Um, He's a good boy. But I don't know. I mean, do y'all feel like? Because like there's a utilitarian aspect to buying these types of clothes, and especially in LA, any place where you have like a, a a lot of construction, a lot of people who are just doing Carhartt shit, you know, it was just like, hey, let me get this. It looks good. It'll last a long time. But what's it's it can be really difficult, even when you got disposable income, to justify spending that much money on a brand that you know is supposed to be for the construction site, the job site, whatever. Yeah, I mean, with durable durable clothes i feel like you can look at it as an investment like all right i'm gonna have this jacket for a decade so paying 200 bucks or whatever is worth it you know that's how i looked at like getting my patagonia nano puff dude but the carhartt jackets are like more expensive than like patagonia like they, they had like a fleece zipper up that was like 250 or something it's crazy for the regular carhartt or for the work in progress work in progress yeah i don't i don't know what the work wear pr uh, prices look like I'm sure much more affordable. But then like back to the video, you know, Jason, I really appreciate you saying that you are at peace with having no titles <laughs> because for me, it's like, it's just infuriating. All of that work and you can't put a title on who's skating. Come on, man. Liz, it's tough, man. It's tough for people who grew up watching 401 because they always had the name. They told you, well, most of the time they told you the song title, you know, they had like the full like MTV, like song title, like album, record label, you know, at the beginning. So it's tough, but it's just, you know, it's, I'm, I've, I've accepted it. You have to learn to accept stuff. I, I guess so, because you know, as you get, uh, before, <laughs> I, I know you're going to talk about this later, but um, one of the few videos where I've memorized every single person in it is almost 30 years old. It's the Dreams of Children. This is the video that came out before Trans World's Uno. Maybe it's just, do I need to pay more, even more attention to skating so that I know all these people? Uh, and also, who are the guys with the mullets? I think Felipe Bartolome is the main mullet skater, who I'm a big fan of. He's like one of the few skaters that I follow on Instagram, and he's been a ripper for years. So I, I was excited for this part. He had a good interview in, in Free just recently. Some of those tricks weren't in this video, actually. Mm, um, that's frustrating. Although, um, just thinking about the mullets and the 
stick and poke tattoos and the costume earrings. There's something about it, like it, it's like big, like sparks energy. Like it really reminds me of 2006 to about 2009, just like going out and wearing the most ridiculous thing that you could wear. So yeah, I would the whole, do- uh, you don't wait, y'all think the mullets were ironic or sincere back then or right now? Right now, like oh, these the kids day. definitely think that shit is cool. They don't do irony. Life sucks too yeah, much. Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> but the whole mode thing, I don't know. All I could think of was that meme. I don't know. Maybe you've seen it. It has like you know a picture of, like four people with mullets, like a purple mullet or whatever, and it says, "When you see this haircut in your neighborhood, you know the rent about to go up or something." Right. Like that. no, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's I genuinely think like. The same sort of irony that defined like the, the the aughts, the teens, like young people, like homeboy went and got that haircut or gave it to himself or gave it to his friend, looked in the mirror, just like, man, I'm looking fly as fuck right now. Yeah, I mean, Felipe has been running the mullet for quite some time. So that that's that's his cut, you know, it's not, not a one off. I appreciate the dedication. And also, like, that's brave. Like, that's brave. Like, you could be mistaken for a lot of things with that haircut. Yep, fashion. Hey, that's fashion, baby. You know, that's true. That's true. I guess I know they think they had a, a few premieres in a few places, and it seems like a lot of really cool people worked on this and contributed to this. Uh, I would have liked to have seen just a little bit more Max Palmer. What about y'all? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, I think that that's probably just a, a result of the pandemic. I was actually reading something from Gray Skate Magazine. They had like a 2020 article about a, a trip to Italy filming for this video and they were like yeah there's going to be a, a New York section with Andrew Wilson and Max Palmer and you know that just never happened apparently so it's inter- it was really interesting to go back and read this article because it was like oh yeah like COVID just hit Italy you know like every, everything's on lockdown hopefully every, hopefully they're going to like come through this okay really fast or whatever it just it's just like a, a look back at the world that was a different place than it is now. Yeah, it's a freak version of a time capsule. Yeah. I, you know, I think Max had, like, some good shit. He had the only almost a part, I think, like, all of his footage was in that clump with, with the uh, King Cruel song towards the beginning. I thought it was pretty dope. Yeah, I think that the video was loosely broken up into locations. So I think Max went to went on that Italy trip, and that was yeah. it. So that's why his footage was all kind of contained. And I, th- I think it was also loosely based around location. And then, it, like, you got an intro with the skater who is from that location. So, like, uh-huh. for Italy, you had uh, the dude Pepe in his art studio. And he's he's from Italy. So, he got that intro. And then, like, you were at, like, Matlock Bennett Jones's house. And then it was all, like, English footage. Interesting. Um, you just reminded me of something as well. Because I know Carhartt definitely has some stores with some big video displays. This definitely feels like the sort of video that would look amazing on 10 flat screen TVs in the front display window of a shop. Yeah, I did my second viewing on my big TV. And was it you, Patrick? Yeah, you watched it twice. Just like you, second viewing was a lot better. So maybe maybe the big screen and just a little bit of like sitting back and enjoying it helped. Probably. I mean, then what are some other videos that y'all have watched that at first, you're just like, what the hell is this? Second, third, you know, subsequent viewings, you actually really grew to enjoy it. And it was one of those ones that you just threw on. Hmm. Thinking maybe like Mosaic, I think. Mm. I feel like Mosaic was pretty much like a standard skate video. Yeah. 
You grew to appreciate it with time, though. Yeah, with time. The more, well, like, Renault's part is an all-timer, hits you over the head. You know, um, you know Pavlov's part was pretty good. But more and more, I'm no, I've, like, came to appreciate Danny Garcia's part in that more and yeah. more. Like, it's fucking magical. And maybe like, YouTube what, has contributed to that because then you can revisit that part solo and then... When you go back and rewatch the whole thing and see it as part of the, uh, as, as, as a portion of that whole video, that you're like, ah, this is why it clicks now. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That part, yeah, that part is, uh, it's an all-timer, pretty underrated. Yeah, I do think that part is underrated, for sure. Templeton, what about you? What's a video that uh, has actually managed to grow on you? Man, I don't know. I, I feel like the videos that I love were videos that I, like, right out of the gate, I was just like, holy shit, this is, this is the one. Or like this is something special or whatever. Yeah, I, I can't really think of a video that I felt like was like difficult like this one. Do you have one, Patrick? Mm, I think Propeller. Mm. Uh, Propeller was like, I was like, all right, this is cool. And then subsequent viewings, I really, really got to enjoy it. Because um, I think also like, the first time I watched it was in a shop, which is really just like, it's never about the video when you see a video in the shop. It's about the hang. Right, yeah. Yeah, propeller is interesting because it's long. There's like so much to take in, and I feel like like my mind just doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah, I haven't. Damn, I haven't watched propeller probably since the year it came out. Dude, that was a wild time. There was like a whole. It was like a two to three year window in which a whole bunch of amazing videos came out. Yeah, there was like oh, pretty sweet was like 2012 or something. Pretty sweet was OD long. Yeah, you know what? I think with most videos that are this length, like. Like 34 minutes. I have to watch it like two or three times to like really take it in. Yeah, I feel like there's there's just so much to take in. And again, the flatness of it makes it so it's really hard for things to stand out. So you need those multiple viewings to be like, you know, it, at each viewing, you'll be like, oh, that, like this trick or that trick. Like Ibu's backside 180 or like I think that Remy's three backside ollies was a standout from the beginning though. I'll tell you what, one trick. That stood out was I don't know who did this. But it was so, someone does like a kickflip five zero to switch crooked at what's that place in Paris? Crete, that place, the, the place with the swirly ground. Yep. Yeah. Super slippery. Yeah, that was uh, Roman Gonzalez, dude. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, Polar, who I think is like underrated. Yeah, yeah, damn, that's the first I heard of that guy. I have to check his shit out. Yeah, he's real sick, but like a little bit like I think the other people on Polar kind of overshadow him, and he's probably just fine with that because he's just like a chill dude it's my impression i guess so i don't yeah. know i mean do you think that this is going to be the sort of video that inspires somebody to go and make a video that's completely different maybe i mean there there could be somebody who read the article in solo and was like oh it's going to be totally different maybe it's like this or that and then it's not that different and they're like well i've got these ideas let me make the different skate video only time will tell yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, it's pretty. It's like I said, it's extremely current. It's like the type of skating and shit that the kids are into these days. So, yeah, probably this is probably like the baseline for the next few years. So, yeah, like time will tell. Who knows? I guess so because I imagine. Um, I don't know, and obviously I'm biased. Like I loved like the Palace and Bronze stuff when that came out. I'm sure for some people it was really, really jarring. And now, like that's that's the vibe. Like that's what a lot of people are doing. People have been ripping that off pretty much since it came out. So we're probably due for some sort of uh, a, a, an aesthetic, you know, zeitgeist, whatever shift. Yeah. Speaking of Palace, I think that the Palace VHS aesthetic 
actually stemmed from a Carhartt edit. I think that, um, who's, who's the guy from Palace? Lev? Lev, yeah. I think Lev went on a Palace trip as a film, or excuse me, I think Lev went on a Carhartt trip as a filmer and the VX died and they had the VHS just for like interstitial stuff and they just had to film the whole thing on the VHS and that was, that was the vibe. I'll see if I can oh, find shit. that edit and uh, drop it in the show notes. Huh. But I, I feel like that was even mentioned in that Noah Johnson GQ uh, article, which yeah, I'll also link it. in the that show was, notes, obviously. It's kind of amazing that uh, that article actually came out. Um, what a pleasure it was having Noah on the show. Because, um, God, to, to get an interview with uh, someone who's behind a company that's at its peak is so sick. And it's rare. Because, like, imagine if you got a, a, an interview of that type of depth. And in a publication like GQ of like Rodney and Rocco in say 1994, right? How oh, yeah. illuminating that would be. Yeah, there just weren't that many publications at the time that were like doing that, you know. And like access was so much harder with you know no internet. Yeah, well, well, plus like skating didn't have the juice to be in mainstream media. You know, now it's like oh, the New York Times, like every other week or whatever. Back then, it was, it was like, what? Like, you know, like, fuck these kids, you know? Well, speaking of media, we've been hearing news lately about new American print magazines. Mess Magazine just released their first issue, and former Transworld and skateboarder editor Jamie Owens just announced his new mag, Closer. Or is it Closer? Uh, Jason, do we need any more print magazines? Well, yeah, listen. I mean, every pretty sure most people would agree, unless you're the most diehard thrasher zealot out that you know the more voice more different voices different types of voices you know different generations shit like that with voices like the better you know and yeah i'm a big fan of print magazines because everyone's always like you know oh be careful what you put on the internet because it'll be there forever but like internet's been around long enough where like sites have died or disappeared or people stopped paying the bill or whatever that a bunch of content already is already gone uh, case in point, everything Mike and I wrote for the Right Channel. Yeah. Gone. Done. Everything I did for uh, a bunch of hipster blogs in Washington, D.C. Gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm a big fan of print magazines, um, you know, just for that reason. And, yeah, like I said, like the more, more different voices we have, different generations out there. Yeah, it's great. Patrick, which one are you going to pick up first? Mess or Closer or Closer? I'm trying to get both, to be honest. Um, I've really been enjoying this kind of like small run or or limited edition print renaissance that's been happening. Like I love the joints that Village Psychic does. Jenkem every now and again was put together a book or some sort of like a short run or they've printed something. And it's exciting. Obviously, big fan of Matt Price's magazine, Golden Hour, Kevin Horn's Anomaly magazine. Like a whole bunch of people at all sorts of different levels are coming up with really cool stuff that's happening in print or print is a component of their multimedia work. And that's cool because the thing is that it feels like Thrasher is in this really weird space that nobody had anticipated where like they are the center of the OG skate, skate magazine culture. And that's strange because if you think about it, the most successful skate magazine in terms of like cultural reach was Big Brother because the magazine's been gone for a minute, but everybody knows Jackass. Outside of skateboarding, who really outside of skateboarding or fashion who knows thrasher and transworld is no longer printing which is really shitty 
I think I, I may be the the lone uh, outlier here, but I I'm like not that interested in print. Like I am son. I I bought the Thrasher with the um, the Evan Smith cover because like after our conversation with Alex Papke, I was just like shit, man. I gotta see this mag. Gotta see this this photo and like all this shit. And I got it, and I was like, meh. I just it just doesn't interest me that much anymore. Like I'm such a like screen addict that I would just much rather look at it on my laptop or on my phone. It just doesn't doesn't do it for me. I am excited for more new media for sure. Like that's one thing that I'm super excited about mess with is they've, they've got like an omni channel uh, approach where they've put out a few videos doing some podcasts. They haven't done anything with their website yet really like as far as content other than the videos, but I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. Oh yeah. Another thing they did that I thought was well, a couple of things. They put a bunch of the interviews from the mag on SoundCloud. Cause like, you know, everyone hates to read. Mm-hmm. But that was a good idea. And also with their, you know, selling the mag, they have a bunch of bundles that you get a, a mag plus some sweatpants and a hat or whatever, or a mag and a t-shirt. I thought that was cool too. And they're making the first one free, which always is always a good strategy, you know, just like big brother, what they did. So, I mean, that's the drug dealer strategy too. Yeah, exactly. The first, <laughs> first hits free. <laughs> I was like, I need another. You got another one of those big brothers, Rocco? Yeah. But yeah, uh, it's going to cost you, buddy. With, this one comes with, in a cereal box. With Closer, I got super amped on the video they posted, like the only thing on their Instagram, because it's like, it's just like super like fast paced montage of like a bunch of iconic photos and ads and shit from like the 80s, 90s and shit with this like fucking aggro song. But I hope it's not too nostalgia because the website says, or their one of their taglines is like, we're then and now come together so based on that it seems like there's going to be some nostalgia stuff but hopefully it won't be you know too much because i i don't know i know tumbledon feels this way but i think like we're we're good on nostalgia on skate nostalgia for a while yeah it seems like nostalgia doesn't have a place in print you know like those pages are precious Mm -hmm. and to waste them on some shit we've seen before seems um i don't know like a waste and I, about- I actually have like a pretty strong pitch about um, there's actually three photos of Julian Stranger's first ever frontside board side on a handrail. And it, it's really interesting to see them all together. And I think that that could be a cool story, but it's also just like, and I think it would also fit well in a magazine format, like better than on the web. Right. But it's just like, I'd much rather see just like a sick ass current skate photo of somebody who's current, currently ripping. I, uh, I I breathed a huge sigh of relief. I genuinely thought you were going to say like, oh, a Julian Stranger first frontside boardside in a handrail NFT. I was just like, Lord, <laughs> Lord have uh, mercy. No, no. <laughs> no not um, minting any NFTs over here. Not yet anyway. <laughs> um, but, um, but back to vintage. Um, I was just thinking about Pete Thompson's book, 93 Till, and everybody was so hyped on that book. And, you know, we've spoken to a couple photographers who were – in the mix back then and they have all said like hey we've got archives upon archives we've got a ton of stuff that we love to put out there maybe the more affordable route to getting it out is like doing a short run magazine or a zine or something like that yeah that makes sense that does make sense it's interesting thinking about magazines like as i was saying like all oh, these pages are precious and all that stuff i was thinking about how we look back at magazines with like very much rose-colored glasses 
But if you really like flip through like a trans world from 1997 or something, it's not like every page is an iconic image. There's plenty of just random filler in there that's like nobody remembers that dude, like nobody remembers those tricks. Like maybe those pages aren't as precious as I thought. I don't I don't know. Yeah, speaking of uh pages and shit like that. So with closer, it's going to be quarterly, but a subscription is 80 bucks. I mean, where are they based out Pretty, of? Uh, Jamie Owens house, I guess, California. I, I mean, for nostalgia heads or whatever, that's probably doable, but I mean, it's a really high price point for a magazine. Yeah. Or Especially for, for younger people with less or no yeah. disposable income. That being said, people waste money. I mean, 80, you could blow 80 bucks on a, a shitty night out. Oh yeah. Easy. You know, you know, you, you do a couple rounds, maybe, uh, go in, to in this, stores. in this economy, shit. yeah, you can spend 80 bucks stepping out the house. There you go. Boom. Shit. Like actually, no, you could actually, that could be your night, like 40 bucks on drinks. And that's not that many drinks. And, uh, the rest is going to, you know, filling up, you know, filling up the car. Hopefully you're not drinking and driving, but you know what I mean? Yeah, that money can go quick. Uh, I guess it's... But then the thing is, like, you're also supporting somebody's creativity. And if they're doing something oh, yeah. that you really love and respect, it's really cool. But, you know, Templeton, it's interesting that you, you know, as somebody who, like, who's worked in skateboard media, and you're just like, nope, off these magazines. Nope, if it's not digital, not feeling it. We don't need another one. I mean, I, like, for me, I just want people to see this stuff. Like, I felt like that when I wrote for the skateboard mag. I was just like, no, nobody reads the magazine. Nobody's going to see this shit, but if it's online, I can send out a link and like everybody can read it and be stoked and it'll like do something. But like the print magazine, it just sits there, you know, like if you talk about something in the print magazine, it's like really hard for somebody to be like, like there's no show notes or, you know, maybe there is, but it's just like so much more work than clicking a link. You got to like be like, oh, this is the thing that they talked about. Let me put that in Google and try to find it. Because mm. um, now you're reminding me of uh, one of the more controversial, one of the co more controversial interviews that came out from back when we were kids was Adam McNatt in Transworld, where he dissed Chad Muska and was complaining about people who were getting cred for having gold chains and driving Honda Civics. And, you know, what he may have thought was real talk was apparently went down very badly with some people in the industry. And the funny thing is, it's actually kind of tame compared to some of the stuff that people have said in magazines on instagram live shit on instagram live the kind of takes that people have, have given you know adam mcnatt you know was anyway back then it was like he was like oh you had to like take the magazine out of your book bag show it to somebody and you know if you didn't have the copy of that month's trans world you wouldn't have known well didn't he still get blackballed from the industry or whatever did he i mean like, if i recall i don't know i have no idea i i mean Especially like so much time has passed and I think he's a successful tattoo artist. I'm not sure where he's living these days that it probably doesn't even matter. I mean, he was yeah. whenever he got, did he get the boot from 101 or did he quit? I don't know. Don't know how that went down. Cause like he's like, he was there after Costin quit to go do girl and he has some, there's some stuff. Uh, there's like a little bit of footage of his that was supposed to go in 20 shot sequence. Um, but then he, I guess he went over to Evol. Like he had a pretty cool part. He had a pretty cool part in still life, but anyway, with, besides with the, fake, the, with the, with the fake rail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait. Or oh, was that like a four one one where you're skating to Iron Maiden or was it both? I think it was, I think it was in that as well. Okay. So same era, which like, honestly, like 
it, it's funny like people got so hung up on that but anyway back to the point like back then you know there was uh was there more would you, would you would you guys say that there was more or less gossip in the industry when it was mostly print like and there was very few people weren't as online like you had to be like a serious nerd to be on the message the skateboarding message boards like alt that skateboarding oh i think less right it was literally word of mouth right like, like i didn't know anything about any insider shit until way later like I feel, I feel like even when i worked at the skateboard mag i didn't like know that much insider stuff yeah i mean you have to i mean you have to literally talk to a pro and be like oh yeah or like you would see like when infamous came out i think it was the night or whatever the first night they got boards they were all at astro place selling boards we're like oh there's new company infamous you know what i mean it was literally like on a street level literally word of mouth now all you have to do is set up an instagram account set up an instagram account or I mean, I mean, is that Jamie Owens oh, has eighty six thousand followers on the closer account? Yeah, he's brand new. That's something. Yeah, one post. Yeah, single post. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, hard hitting question for both of you. What do you think is the piece of gossip or skateboard industry news that would single handedly break the skateboard internet, blow up group chats all over the world? Salaries. Well, like an unredacted salary page. Yeah, like what? What's everybody get? What is everybody getting paid? You know, what does P Rod make? What does fucking Justin Eldridge make? You know, what does Chris Weimer make? You know, like the full spectrum of dudes who ride for all kinds of different companies. Like, what are they getting paid? And you know, that's something I'm super interested in. I even have a spreadsheet. So, if you if listeners, if you know anything about how much pro skaters get paid, please let me know. Some accountant is out there thinking, like, I'm going to risk it all for the culture. Jason, what do you think? What do you think is a piece of yeah. skate gossip that would blow up all your skateboarding group chats? That's a crazy... Maybe if another super team formed, I was like, that kind of shit. Or if, or, or if like, this is kind of a stock answer, but... Or if, like, an elite pro, like, started their own company, like, say... And I've talked about this a couple of times. If, like, TJ, you know, broke off and fucking awesome and started his own brand or something. You know, but I mean, that happened like that's kind of like with Violet and we haven't heard really anything from them for a while. Yeah. I mean, what's going on with that? By working on something. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think like what, like what else? So it's either a leak or it's like some really like great skateboarding news. Like, oh, such and such is going to like when plan B happened and it was super mysterious. Or maybe actually, no, maybe not so much. Okay. Uh, Jason, resident world expert. What was bigger? uh plan b starting or everybody leaving dwindle to go and start girl and then chocolate oh um girl i think because like i couldn't like comprehend it i just went into my shop one day and they had like a slap with the first ad i was like what what the hell is this and the guy was like oh yeah they started girls I'm like what like why would you know what i mean it was, in it was incomprehensible to me how someone would leave world Oh, of course. That's, that's my answer. If there's one thing I think that would be really awesome to find out exactly what the reason was, because there was always that thing like, oh, it was over a, a wheel invoice or something like that. Super kind of like cagey. Yeah, I mean, it was most likely some shit like that. Plus, yeah. like, uh, my understanding that they were talking to, like, Rick was talking to Megan and Spike and shit. So, I don't know, probably a, a bunch of different things. Well, that story has been told a hundred thousand times anyway. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and then um, back to the question of print, 
I mean, I think what's cooler is seeing young kids who, and I'm talking like teenagers, early 20-somethings, um, you know, them actually being able to take advantage of the fact that there's a much wider lane for doing cool stuff in print. Whereas when we were teenagers, it was really kind of like, were you going to start your own magazine or were you going to go and like your dream would be to move to California and go work for Slap or work for Transworld or Thrasher? Big Brother, like, uh, yeah, Big Brother would probably be fun too, but you get what I mean. Slam City Skates over in the UK, uh, Sugar in France. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, it's like you could make a zine at your local Kinko's and that's like it. You could, like, now it's pretty easy to figure out a place that it can print up, you know, 100 magazines or whatever, like, small run you want to do. So, like, there, there's so much more middle ground. Yeah, zines, zines is definitely a lane. I mean, they're in... There's that column in Thrasher, like with them, like just about every month. There's like a whole slew of them. I've always, I've always wanted to make a zine, but I never really have anything to say. I don't know. When you do, I did one in high school, which was really fun. So what you do is you hit up um, a bunch of your friends and say, "Hey, I'm doing a zine. Y'all want to do something together?" It was terrible. Skate photos were really good. My friend Ryan took them. Uh, happy birthday, Ryan! By the way, um, I don't know. I, I guess this ties back to the. The Carhartt video because we talked about Transworld. The game is missing Transworld because those videos they had a run from like uh, what was the video right before Sight Unseen? Feedback, I think. Was it feedback? No. Was there another one after? Oh, Modus. Modus. I think it was Modus. In Bloom, maybe. No, that might have been after. Pretty sure it went because feedback was like 1998. Modus was 2000. Silent Team was probably 2001. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I think Modus was right before Silent Team. Yeah, okay, I, I figured it out, or rather I just pulled up the Wikipedia. I think they had this, you know, there's always the phase, um, you know, when uh, a musician, an artist, whoever goes through their imperial phase where they're not only leading the culture, they are also releasing work that is universally, universally loved. And there's this run from like, the Sixth Sense to The Reason. So Sixth Sense, Transmission 7, bit of a dip in quality there, came roaring back with feedback, and then to The Reason where it felt like they were untouchable. And they were doing like, what, two videos a year for a bit. Mm -hmm. So to be able to deliver that type of, to be able to deliver that type of quality, right, is pretty impressive. And the fact that they like, they set the standard, like a lot of the best videos at the time were inspired by Transworld videos. They had the look or the feel of Transworld videos. And I think, I honestly think that's something that's really missing right now. Like a magazine that has a great National Geographic style photography and then amazing videos that are pushing the culture forward. I mean, goodness, like we got probably the greatest cardio part of all time in the reason, right? Could be. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, I, I think now a magazine has to be a multimedia organization it can't just be a print magazine true oh Actually, it's not the reason it's sight unseen cardiel was in oh yeah, yeah, yeah but you know what i i think the culture is doing fine without trans world in my opinion i think we're doing okay i think yeah, toward i think towards the end those videos got really like formulaic like and now like when was the last time you watched and now or hallelujah um, yeah i mean i feel yeah. like after modus it's kind of like me well, really, like, Free Your Mind was kind of like the la like the first one that was like, okay, I don't really need to pay that much attention to these videos anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, like... Wait, 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 Free Your Mind had... Wait, wait a minute. That had the, uh, the Rob Welsh part. Yeah, yeah. 
it just <laughs> felt it just felt like I don't know. I think I watched that video like once. I was like, this video is bad. Yeah. Like with oh, the wait, taxi. Wait, wait. What about what about throughout? first love? Like, oh, the taxi uh, conceit. Yeah. Yeah, that was a little corny. Cinematog- cinematographer project was cool. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some outliers in there for sure, including a video mm-hmm. called Outliers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and first love because of uh, oh. Shallow Great House and Richard Angelitas. Yeah, I mean, there's you can pull out some good parts from like whatever, like 2008 to whenever the last one came out. But uh, I kind of think like with everything that's going on with like you know all the independent shit, like I, I think I think we're doing okay. Yeah, you're right. I think Transroll had its time. Yeah, the and also the 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 cool thing about the independent stuff is that it's all over the place. Uh, oh, skatism is another good one. Oh, hell yeah! Skatism is really really fun to read, um, especially just like the quality of their interviews, um, and also the breadth of the subject matter and the fact that it's a cool out there magazine. You're right, Jason. You're you're super right about that. I guess I'm wondering, like, you know, who's gonna get the juice from Thrasher? At some point, something is gonna, the culture is going to shift. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I think Thrasher is gonna have to like fumble the bag and somebody's gonna have to be there to pick it up. You know, it's gonna have to be those two factors happening just perfectly for Thrasher to, to lose its spot. Mm hmm. No. And it might be a while. Who knows? I mean, the fact that Thrasher has this prominence not only as a digital platform, but also is still cool in print and, even though they come OD late and I'm in the same state, I still, I'm so psyched. Like I really, really was actually really stoked when I got the Fred Gall one. I don't even know why my wife was just like, what is this? <laughs> Some random guy on the cover. Yeah. The whole like issues arriving extremely late is huge turnoff for me. Eh, I don't mind. I'm a, I'm a patient type of guy. Oh, I'm like super like, <laughs> like I want, I want my shit fast. I get, Especially like like news, you know, or like knowing that somebody else has seen it before me. Like, you know, if you looked at it at the shop or bought it from the shop, it's like, oh, you got Thrasher like weeks before I did. And that, that just like bums me out. But yeah, as, as far as like a new mag coming to prominence, I think the only way is what Templin said at the beginning, like if they have like a multimedia, multi-platform type of strategy. You know, because most people like don't read magazines. People, kids don't even know what a magazine is. And yeah, well, might be one of those things. Like that's why skateboarding and high fashion are such strange best buddies. Because in a digital world, we still love print. I mean, think about the people who swear by Italian Vogue, and it looks amazing. Right. You know, there's still a ton of fashion magazines. Yeah, I feel like there's there's room for more print in like a niche market, like skateboarding or fashion for sure and there's lots of fashion magazines out there that are very expensive so the $20 closer magazine um it it's like within the realm of like normalcy i guess exactly and there's people who will uh go and buy fashion magazines and not even think twice about dropping a hundred dollars on a bunch of imports right you know and not everybody who's into fashion is rich so you know these people are just like yo i need this for the vision board or I, I just gotta see this in print yeah, those people are just stoked on the new fashions. Which brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Jason, what are you stoked on this week? Stoked on Venture Trucks, a hard goods company based in San Francisco, California. Stoked on another video part from the 90s that I hadn't seen until recently. Rob Deerdeck's part in, I think it was a trans world video, The Dreams of Children. Um, this was probably when he was at his peak as far as street skating. 
just like a really cool low impact 94 style video part like super progressive for the time also stoked on another podcast called 185 miles south it is a podcast about hardcore and these guys they kind of nerd out kind of like we like we nerd out about old skate videos and shit about every bit of minutiae they nerd out about hardcore and if you're into hardcore or whatever it's definitely a good listen they just make all types of lists and argue about shit it's tight also stoked on the janet jackson documentary that just came out on a and e i think i'll watch any like music industry documentary or anything about you know popular music or whatever so this one was pretty tight mike's homeboys from minneapolis jimmy jam and terry lewis are in it so if you're into you know music documentaries that kind of shit it's super good patrick what are you stoked on this week now i really want to go listen to some janet jackson <laughs> she had she, got, she has she has some bangers man some oh bangers. my goodness control all right damn son uh, and also janet was better than beyonce so but that's a whole other conversation <laughs> come on rhythm nation anyway um i'm stoked on spitfire wheels i really enjoyed jenkins peruvian food tour with denny fala that was super fun and made me very very hungry for peruvian chicken also i didn't realize i guess uh, let me ask you am i stupid for not getting that the crooked eyes are supposed to be it's supposed to be a stoner thing no i don't think so oh okay <laughs> oh I, th- I thought it was just like a mark gonzalez doodle or something yeah okay <laughs> I think it's necessarily you know marijuana related oh so it's just but appropriate that's cultural appropriation by the stoners Let's see what time we do. um i've been really oh i've been jamming on this one song called uh, you can't judge a book by its cover by cookie watkins she is a Tina Turner impersonator who also did some disco slash Italo disco stuff in the early 1980s. That song is amazing. And finally, I'm stoked on the news that Alexis Sablone, a.k.a. the People's Champ, has just been named Team USA Skateboarding's women's coach. USA going to be getting some gold with Coach Sablone. Templeton, what you stoked on? I'm stoked on some stretches. I went to a physical therapist last week and got prescribed a bunch of stretches and I'm already feeling better, I think. So stoked about my neck not hurting. And, you know, maybe after I do these stretches for a long time, I'll be wear- I'll be able to wear hoodies again. That's the dream. Yeah. Uh, that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Patrick, where can the people find you? You all can find me on the internet at pkigongo on Instagram and at Colonel K Speaks on Twitter. Um, I think I'm just going to shut down this stupid Clubhouse app. Jason, where can the people find you on Bobby Digital's internet? You can find me on the Twitter at Carbonite1994, on Instagram at FrozenCarbonite, and writing stuff for CordesNext.com. Templeton, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. We'll see you guys next week. Later.